If you would please turn your Bibles to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to read the Ephesians 4, verses 17 through 24. I'm preaching through the book of Ephesians. Um, I will remind you as I read it that this is the Word of God, and I would encourage you to keep up your, your hand here, a bookmark here, because it is my text. We, we, will sp- we will be spending our time here on these verses. Ephesians, the fourth chapter, the 17th verse. <clears throat> so this I say, and affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened, uh, <clears throat> being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality, for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But you did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth as is in Jesus. That, in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Let's pray. Now, Father, in this passage, we find a a great contrast. There's two ways of living. There's two ways of thinking. There's a great divide. And that dividing line is Christ, is Jesus. So, Lord, I pray this morning as we look at this text, as we look at it um, through through our own experience, through our own situation, God, that the Holy Spirit would open our eyes, our minds, our hearts to, to the truth of the Word of God. And we'll thank you for that. Amen. I have always struggled with <clears throat> this passage and other similar passages for a couple reasons. One is experiential, and the second is theological. What I mean by that is, uh, as I read passages like this, I... It's not my experience in the fact that I was saved as a child. I grew up in church. The debauchery of my former manner of life, that phrase doesn't really hit home with me. I'm definitely a sinner, but 99.99% of my sins have occurred since I've been saved. I don't have a gripping testimony of a life transformed by Christ, my conversion experience doesn't seem very dramatic. Does anybody here remember the the radio show Unshackled? Unshackled. I used to love to listen to Unshackled. In fact, Unshackled is still on the radio. I've not heard it in years, but I looked it up. Uh, It's the longest running radio drama in history of any kind. If you don't know Unshackled, it's by the Pacific, uh, Pacific Garden Mission in Chicago. And it's a, a, theater, a, li- a theater presentation somewhat. 
of people's testimonies, and they're fantastic, how God changes lives. But that's not my testimony. Again, I was saved as a six-year-old child. The other struggle I've had with this passage is theological. How do we interpret this old man, new man dichotomy? The teaching that I received growing up was murky at best. Since I was saved as a child and my old man died then, why do I sin at all? Well, as we look at this passage, I, 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 I think we can resolve some of this by seeing that there are two different ways of thinking. And these two different ways of thinking um, result in two different ways of living. Two different ways of thinking results in two different ways of living. Verses 17 through 19 is the wrong way. Verses 20 through 24 is the right way. Now, normally, as, as those of you who are regulars know, that I have an outline um, that we fill in the blanks and follow. But this passage, as I was working on this passage, it just didn't lend itself to that kind of uh, outline. I didn't, I didn't want to force an outline on it. So we're just going to go through the verses verse by verse. Um, but what we're going to see here is two different ways of thinking results in two different ways of living. Look at verse 17. So this I say and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind. Paul is insistent in this passage that we don't walk in a pointless way, in a futile way, that we don't walk in the futility of pointless thinking. Now, he reminds us that when he writes these things, he's doing it under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, because it says, and this I say and affirm together with the Lord. This is divine revelation. This is Jesus talking to us. Now, we mentioned last week when the Ephesians, the, the original recipients of this letter, when, when Paul mentioned the word church, they, they didn't think of some, some uh, uh, universal a conglomeration of denominations. They didn't think of, of some parachurch organization. They thought of themselves. They were, they're the church. When he wrote to the church, they didn't apply this to, to other congregations. They applied it to themselves. And as Paul writes it here, and as we get to read it, he's also talking to us. And the Lord is talking to us. And his point is that we should no longer live as the Gentiles live, or pagans live. Now, here, Gentile, in verse, one, in verse 17, refers to an unsaved person. We know as we looked at the first three chapters that Paul was uh, talking about uh, the, the, the division between what had been the, the God's chosen people, the Jews, and non-Jews, which fall under the category of, of Gentiles. Um, the Ephesians are saved Gentiles. But when he talks about Gentiles here, he's talking about unsaved people, non-believing people. Uh, go back to chapter 2, <clears throat> verse 1. And you were dead 
in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this air, uh, the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that now worketh in the sons of disobedience. That, that's what they were, verse 11. Therefore remember you f that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands, remember that you were at, at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. So when we get to chapter 4, verse 17, that's the context in which he's using Gentiles. Um, they're the walking dead. They, were, they, they are apart from Christ. <clears throat> Now, verses 17, 18, and 19 are grim. They're deadly serious. Verse 18, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. These things that Paul's listing are, are progressive. They're showing the path that the unsaved are on. Now, again, not every, not every lost person is as bad as she can be. Not every lost person is as bad as, as he can be. This, this is a describing of, of every lost person's behavior, but it is descriptive of the path that they're on. This is where it leads. Um, this is the direction that they're headed. This shows where life apart from Christ, will take you. How does an unbeliever walk? Well, verse 17, in a futile way, in futility of mind. That, that word futile means pointless. Pointless. Um, if you're a Star Trek fan, you know that the Borg told us that resistance is futile. What did they mean by that? It's useless. It's pointless. There's no reason to resist. That's what futile means. It's, it, this lifestyle is pointless. It's futile. Ultimately, the lost are headed for a dead end. Now, why, though? Verse 18. Being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. Because they reject God. They reject the truth of God. This truth, of course, is embodied in Jesus. Verse 21. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him just as truth as is in Jesus. Because of this rejection, they don't, verse 18, understand spiritual things. Verse 18, they don't have spiritual life. They are ignorant of the truth. 2 Timothy 3, 7. Always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Apart from God, they cannot come to the knowledge of, of the truth. Verse 19. In turn, then, they, having become callous, having, giving, uh, having given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. 
They are only concerned with what feels good. That's sensuality. Sensuality. Uh, this, this concern for only what feels good um, leads them to doing things that end up being impure. Again, verse um, 19. Sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity. Um, dirty. Li- w- uh, wicked. With greediness. Now, again, that's not referring to, to as we think of greediness as only being wanting money. It's referring to um, the fact that they want more. Um, it's never enough. How they, the reason they get into this, this condition uh, in verses 18 and 19, because it's futile, so therefore it doesn't fulfill. It's empty. Emptiness compulsively drives them to seek to fill it with something else, with money or sex or power or pleasure or addictions or selfishness or pornography. But the truth is, pleasures fully indulge, pleasures fully indulge cease to please. Getting what one wants does not satisfy. That's their condition. First Peter 4.3 For the time already past is sufficient for you to have been carried out, uh, for you to have carried out the desire of the Gentiles, having pursued a course of sensuality, lust, drunkenness, carousing, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. In all this, they are surprised that you do not run with them to the same excess of dissipation, and they malign you. But they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. This is the, this is the end result of, of, of that lifestyle, of that way of thinking. Verse 20. But. But. There's the contrast. The only alternative to the futile way of thinking, or as he says, the Gentile walk, the only alternative to the futile way of thinking is what? Verse 20. But you have not learned Christ in this way. It's Jesus. It's Christ. There's the great divide. Old creation versus new creation. Theologically, I believe that as I've studied these things out, believers don't have two natures. They only have one. We are new creations. We're a new man. We have a new nature. So this divide is between the old self and the new self. It's between the old creation, and the new creation. <clears throat> Between the old nature and the new nature. We only have, but, but we only have, when we come to know Christ, even if it's as a six-year-old boy, okay, um, we have, verse 24, we, uh, put on, we, and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in the righteousness and holiness of the truth. <clears throat> However, this new creation is a work in process, a work in progress. <clears throat> we are growing in holiness. 
Um, we are becoming more like Christ. Again, verse 20. But you did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught him, just as truth is in Jesus, that is in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance to the lusts of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which in likeness of God has been created in the righteousness and holiness of the truth. <clears throat> we are in a learning process. Verse 20. They knew about Jesus. This is what made the difference here between this futile walk and this fruitful walk. Jesus. They had learned of Christ. They had learned about Jesus. They knew about Jesus and what he had done for them. And they can do better than verses 17 through 19 because of that. Now notice the emphasis here on thinking. Verse 17 talks about uh, their mind. Verse 23, uh, your mind. Okay, there's that contrast. Their mind, your mind. Verse 18, uh, the word um, understanding. They are darkened in their understanding. Uh, verse 18, they're, they're ignorant. But in verse 20, we have learning. So learning overcomes this ignorance. As we learn of Christ and learn more about Christ and grow in our understanding of Christ and grow in our understanding of salvation and our calling, we've been seeing in, in the first four chapters here how Paul keeps hammering about the fact that we have been called Now, notice verse 21. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. Now, what is ironic or, or uh, strange here is this is the only time in Ephesians that he calls Christ Jesus. Every other time he refers to him as Christ. Now, why, why is that? Well, I, <coughs> I believe it's for this reason. <clears throat> as he's been dealing with Christ in, in the in the uh, Previous passages, he was always referring to uh, Christ's uh, enthronement above all spiritual powers. Okay, but here Paul reminds us that God has taught us by becoming a man, the man Christ Jesus. He entered into our experience. He entered into our world. He became flesh, and his name was Jesus. We are saved by a person named Jesus. We're not saved by trusting a formula, but trusting a friend. So, verse 20 and 21, you hear uh, about Jesus, you are taught about Jesus, and you embrace the truth of Jesus. That's the difference maker. The difference between the Ephesian Christians and the rest of the Ephesians is Jesus. Is Jesus. Verse 22. That in reference to the old, to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance to the lust of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. You don't, in other words, you don't fall for the lies of the old way of thinking. 
You don't fall for the lies of the old way of thinking, the old way of living. Christians have a new way of thinking. Or as Jesus himself said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. So what happens, verse 23, your mind is renewed. You can understand spiritual things. They could not they could not understand spiritual things, the Gentiles, the lost. We, however, can. 2 Timothy 2.7 <clears throat> Consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Now, Paul also wrote this verse, but what is significant about this verse is it's two parts. First of all, consider what I say. Consider what I say. In other words, what is, the, what is the Bible saying? What is the Scripture saying? But because we're believers, there's good news. The Lord will give you an understanding in everything. See, we, we have the mind of Christ. We have the Holy Spirit. We need to allow Christ to change our thinking from futile to fruitful. A new mind allows us to put on this new creation, to, to put it into use, to, to put it into practice, or to, to kind of use the metaphor, to, to wear it, to put it on. Verse 24, and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of truth. You walk in accordance to this new truth, which as opposed to verses 17, 18, and 19, is righteous and holy. Temptation, which we all have even as believers, should not convince us that we are enslaved to our old nature. We're not. We are free. We are free. But, verse 20, faith in Jesus comes first. The only way this is possible is to put our faith and trust in Jesus. Faith is the source. Recreation is the result. Obedience to Christ is the outcome. So only Christ can make us new. That's the point of the passage. That's the, the great divide. Only the gospel of Jesus Christ can make us a new man, to give us a new way of thinking. So, what should you expect a good church to teach then? But look at verse 20. But you did not learn Christ in this way. What should you expect a good church to teach? Jesus. Jesus. Now it goes on. Uh, if indeed you heard, have heard him and have been taught in him. And where do we hear Christ in the Bible? Just as the truth 
is in Jesus. Again, what should I... What should a good church teach? Well, Jesus, a Christian worldview, which is, again, a way of thinking, thinking Christianly, and Christian morality, right? Again, we can't, we can't deny that verse 24 says, uh, uh, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. So that's what we should do. That's what the church should do. That's what the ministries of the church should do. That's what the pulpit should do. Um, the teachers, the, this is what we're doing. We're, we are teaching Jesus and the difference he makes in our thinking and the difference he makes in our living. So what's that mean about you? You should be, a, you should be eager to learn about Christ. You should be eager to learn about how Christians think, how they walk. There's two ways of thinking and two ways of living. Two different ways of thinking, two different ways of living. Now listen, I don't claim that, that our church in particular has a handle on truth. I, you know, that, that we don't have a handle on truth, but we do have Jesus, and He is the truth. Let's pray. It's all about Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Apart from him, no man comes to the Father. Jesus is the source of a spiritual mind. He's the source of spiritual life. He is the great divide. He is the difference maker. Now, Lord, again, just as, just as believers are on a, on, a, on a path to holiness, and we know that it will not be complete in this life, we know it, it, it is completed when we see Christ, we will be like Him when we see Him. We, we, so we understand that this is progressive. We're, we're not as, 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 as uh, good as we should be, perhaps, we are created in righteousness. We have the righteousness of Christ. Now, we have been set apart. We are holy. But we are, we are progressing in that, Lord. And just as every Christian has not finally arrived at perfect holiness, we also understand that not every unbeliever it, it has arrived at verses 17, 18, and 19. We, we, we understand it. But again, these are two opposite directions. Two opposite directions. And the, 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 the dividing line is Jesus. So give us Jesus, I pray. Amen.